Hey everyone, this is Connor. Before we get started, I just want to encourage you to check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash podsidepicnic. If you become a patron, you'll get access to multiple exclusive episodes every month. And you can also join our patrons-only Discord chat, where Pete and I talk informally with the Podside Picnic community. So if you like the show, go ahead and check us out at patreon.com slash podsidepicnic. Thanks. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Podside Picnic. Uh, this is Pete, as usual. I'm not joined with by Connor today. I'm actually joined by Elliot Kay, uh, an author who I encountered. Uh, well, actually, I was I was uh, teaching in India and and looking for good science fiction online, and I stumbled across him. Uh, uh, Elliot, thanks for coming. Thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, uh. I guess, uh, I, I mean, the, the focus of this, this particular podcast episode is going to be about your, uh, your rich man's, uh, war, poor man's fight, uh, series, but you've got a lot going on beyond that right now. I do. I have, so I have three series. I have, I have the poor man's fight series. Uh, I have, uh, the series, which is the first thing I ever put out, which is called good intentions. And that is a, uh, super smutty comedic urban fantasy. Um, and I also have a, a shorter uh, sword and sorcery fantasy series called wandering monsters, which is the uh, it's, it's all monster protagonists. Uh, awesome. That's a fun thing. Yes. That's, that's a cool reversal actually. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy with it. If, if I, if I would, if I had to point to something as my main series, it would be poor man's fight. Fair enough. Yeah. Well, I mean, it definitely, uh, it six books of keeping me sane while I was traveling abroad. So I'm very grateful for it. Uh, so, uh, uh, rich man's war, poor man's fight was, a like a saying in the South from the civil war. Um, I know it's descriptive of the series, but like, uh, what, what was, was, was this the launch point for you? Did it come afterwards or like, I, I guess I'm, I'm wondering how that relationship formed between that, that, that saying in your books, whether it was planned for the beginning or you yeah. made the connection later. So I almost never have titles in mind when I first start books. Uh, titles are one of those things that I, I wrestle with, uh, horribly after the fact. Um, I, uh, yeah, I, God, I'm looking at my list of, of titles and I think I, I don't think there's anything I ever knew the title of before I wrote it. Um, <laughs> except fair. natural consequences, which is my clunkiest title. Um, so that says something, <laughs> uh, no. So I, I mean, I had the idea for the book for a very long time. I, I, it had been stuck in my head from being a, a lot of the, the big points in the, in the books had been stuck in my head since I was a te- late teen, being a sci-fi, you know, tabletop gamer type and uh, just having a creative mind and then going into the military and stuff. It, it kept, it kept coming back to me and it kept refining. But uh, as far as the title goes, um, I, I am also a, a former teacher uh, and history is really my focus. Uh, so I, I certainly knew the, the slogan. It mm-hmm. didn't really hit me until I finally had settled on, you know, the, the, the first book as a, as a finished product and I chewed on it and chewed on it. And I kept coming back to rich man's war, poor man's fight 
as both a, a theme since the stories are very economically driven um, and uh, uh, as, a, as a, a catchy phrase, uh, the plot drivers of books one and two are kind of reversed from the, the saying of that because it, it, you know, I feel like the first book isn't really a war. It's a fight. So I swap titles. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. that only makes sense. And, and like you, you, you had the, the first one be a little more at close quarters, which raised the stakes. Yeah. So like, even from a structural sense that, that, that makes sense to me. Yeah. Uh, not that you were hunting for my approval, but you know what I mean? I, I'm <laughs> glad to have it. Okay. Fair enough. Um, so, uh, I actually two things I should probably say before we go deeper, which is one, uh, you can find this book in a lot of places and we are going to be talking about things that, uh, yeah, it might, might spoil here and there. So I would recommend going out and grabbing them. So, uh, and reading them before listening to this, uh, folks at home. So, um, I personally found these on Amazon. Uh, are, are there other places you want to call out where people could hunt these up? I wish I could. So the books are Amazon exclusive. Um, oh. They are, of course, on Audible because of that. Uh, there, there are audio versions. Um, I know they are. They turn up occasionally in, in independent bookstores. I've seen them at, at, at the Great Powell's in uh, Portland, Oregon, if if you can ever be there. Um, I, I have been told by people that they have seen them in, in random indie bookshops. But uh, to be honest, no. As far as I know, Amazon is is the primary provider. Um, there aren't a lot of chains that that will pick up Amazon books, and if they do, they're very they're very specifically chosen. Um, so right. that was a that that was a, a a concern that Amazon brought forward to me when they wanted to relaunch under an Amazon publishing label, because um, the books were initially indie published, and then Amazon came along and said, "Hey, we'd like to pick up your book and relaunch it." I thought, "Hey, cool, I've made it." It's not exactly <laughs> turns out that's not exactly how that works. Um, but yeah, they 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 warned me up front. You know, a lot of Amazon titles don't typically make it into a lot of the brick and mortar stores because there is that ongoing tension between Amazon and everyone else. Um, right. Yeah. So uh, they are currently mostly available on Amazon and Audible if you want the audio version. Uh, and there are rando indie bookstores that have them. I highly recommend you go to your bookstore and ask them for it. Ask them to order it. That would be awesome. <laughs> it's entirely self-serving on my part. I don't know if that will work, but I say do it. <laughs> well, as long as we're talking about Amazon, there's there's something uh -huh. I've always wondered because uh, like yes. when I when I found these books, uh, one of the things that helped me find them was the fact that they were labeled uh, Kindle Unlimited, yes. and I like how how does that work? Like like I'm not asking you to read the contract you signed on the sure. air, but like in in terms of like is it a good deal for authors? What are the trade-offs? Is there you know like is there reasonable compensation involved? All of that stuff. So I'm really happy to talk about uh just about any money issue because I uh, I feel like there's not enough transparency in in publishing. Nobody really knows what anybody makes. Um, it's, it's an eye opener when most people realize most writers have, you know, uh, regular jobs and they're also writers. I'm kind of in that lucky full-time writing spot. Um, Kindle Unlimited works, uh, as an ongoing subscription service. You pay your $10 and, and you can read however much you want. It's a little like Netflix for books. Um, but it's, you know, 10 bucks a month or however much it is from the author's standpoint, what happens is, um, everybody who has their books in Kindle 
gets a, a Kindle page count for their books because that, that's a different page count than say in the paperback, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you, every, all of us authors, we have our books in Kindle Unlimited and we get paid by the page read. And so if you stop reading my book midway through, I only get paid for what you read. Um, and you're only paying your subscription fee. You can just keep reading books. Um, once I get that page read, it all gets divided up. Everybody, everybody in the program gets all of their pages counted up and divided into however much can, however much Amazon has allotted for that month. And that is a number that comes out of a magic box. None of us know it for sure. Uh, it generally works out to half a cent a page, um, which at the price point that I'm at for most of my books, I make about the same or potentially a little more with uh, Kindle Unlimited than I do from straight selling a book. Um, but it's all, I mean, to be very blunt, the game is every month, all of us indie writers look at what the payout is. We wring our hands over whether or not we want to stay in and we make that decision. Uh, and it's, it's generally, it's at least a three month commitment. Um, but so, I, every month I keep, every month I keep on saying, sure, I'm going to leave it in, uh, with poor man's fight specifically, because it's an Amazon imprint book, it's, it's just going to stay there in perpetuity as long as Amazon's running that program. So hypothetically, like if I sat down and said, I want Elliot to make money. Yes. And I grab my Kindle and I page through poor man's fight. And then I go to the beginning and page through it again. Mm-hmm. Does that count? That I don't know. Uh, I, there's been a lot. So there have been a lot of people who've tried to scan their way through Kindle Unlimited. There have been people who have filled pages with garbage and then uh, hired click farms. There have been people who have rigged their books to jump you 500 pages as soon as you click from page one to page two. Uh, and Amazon has, you know, it's, it's an ongoing thing where Amazon winds up chasing these scams down and cleaning them up. Uh, and there are, you know, many, many feelings on all on a whole spectrum of is Amazon doing a good job with that or not. Uh, and I can't, I don't know how, where my opinion is on that. I will say that you're never going to think of every scam before it's before it, it appears. Sure. Um, so, uh, yeah. Uh, if you want me to make money personally, you read my book on Kindle Unlimited and then you buy it and then you buy the audiobook and then you also buy my paperback and then you sign up for my Patreon. Uh, okay. Oh. <laughs> if I want to be completely mercenary, that's what you want to do. <laughs> I want to say I don't expect that to, of anybody and there is no guilt. I promise. No, that's fair. Well, I'm, I'm glad you called out the different ways. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, by the way, before we get any further, I want to call something out because I'm very nervous about this. I sure. grew up with a guy named Gabriel K. And okay. it is extremely likely at some point I'm going to call you Gabriel okay. and I haven't gone mad. Okay. That is totally fine. Elliot K is a pen name. I won't be sad anyway. Okay. That's fair. <laughs> I, I didn't know that. So yes. look at me learning. Uh, I, I taught high school. And when I, uh, when I first put out good intentions, which again is a super smutty book, please heed the warning. Uh, I did not ever want a kid to come up to me and say, Hey, Mr. K, I read your book and now I know what to expect from adult relationships. No, you don't. Also, I'm horrified. Also, oh God, the principal's <laughs> calling me. There goes my career. So yeah, I, I stick with a pen name. I There was a, a good friend of mine who uh, taught uh, French at a, a tertiary college uh, near Minneapolis. And at one point, like uh, the walls started closing in because of all the all the budget cuts in Wisconsin. So yeah. uh, 
she she turns to writing um i a, a aggressively sensual romances shall i cool. say yeah steam romance oh I'm yeah down. and and she like through amazon she's had a very successful career um mm-hmm. Sort of like biker romance novels, which honestly I can't read. I start reading them and I blush. So I mean, I, uh, <laughs> hey, the one thing I will tell everybody: if 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 you want to understand publishing, you pay attention to romance because they are why we still have a publishing industry. Like if if romance stops putting out books tomorrow, we all go home crying, uh, and those writers know what they're doing. So I will I will always I will always plug for the romance industry. Very cool. Yeah, I I yeah. it's I guess. I guess it's the one thing that that someone is guaranteed to always read. Yep. Uh, so I guess we should start talking about your books now, huh? Sure. Uh, <laughs> so let let's talk about the main character for a little bit. So mm-hmm. Tanner Malone is is unusual in that he's kind of an everyman figure and relatable, but he's also like wildly competent and smart, and that's what kickstarts things it's like he's his he's he demonstrates all this ability and gets screwed over by the testing system that makes you uh i hope i'm not spoiling it too bad like it gets you zapped by the student loan companies could you mm-hmm. t- talk about how you design connor i t- connor tanner is he like is he you on some level is he someone you met in the military like how did you make this guy so uh tanner is is very much in in part, I should say, there's a lot of me in Tanner. There's specifically a lot of younger me uh, in Tanner. I'm I'm 45 now, um, but I, I I think back to how I looked at the world and and specifically my experience in the military. Uh, very much so for book one more than the rest. Mm-hmm. Um, although I had no I had no heroics with space pirates or anything of the sort. I <laughs> that I did, you're allowed to discuss. I I I you know I did my time and I got out. Uh, I, there were many horrible ways I almost died, but none of them involved anyone actively trying to kill me. Um, so, uh, he's from there. He's kind of a pastiche of, uh, things I liked in, in media and a lot of characters I've played in role-playing games. Um, so he's kind of that ideal, like a, a lot of gamers will continually go back to, to their, their type. And I really like the smart hero. Um, I, I like an everyman. My my favorites have always been the the non-powered hero in a powered environment. So I really, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge Punisher fan. I'm a huge uh, Captain America fan. Uh, I my favorite era of Storm in the X Men was when she didn't have the powers and didn't need them. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> as much as much as she missed them, she was still going to kick your ass. Um, so that, I, that was Mohawk Storm, wasn't it? Yes, yes. That was that was uh, leather and uh, punk. You know, Mohawk Storm. Um, so yeah, I he's he's a prestige of that. I I've always really enjoyed a good heroic rampage, uh, and I, I think that probably shows in in the way things play out. Um, yeah, I don't think I don't think of Tanner as being uh, super confident. I think of him as being desperately competent. He's competent because he absolutely has to be, or somebody's going to die, and he's not thrilled about that situation. Uh, Tanner, t- the. Uh, one day in a panel somewhere, I think in our Westcon, somebody had said, you know, there's always that lesson a hero keeps needing to learn. And, and it kind of clicked for me immediately is that Tanner, uh, Tanner really wants to believe that there's always a way other than violence. And the lesson that he keeps having to learn to his horror is that sometimes the best way through his problems is wildly escalating violence. 
Yeah. And so he's just got to do that. And then he, and then he thinks, well, I'm in for another three years of therapy. This is great. Well, there's a, I, it's, it's, I, I, there, it's almost like numerology. There's this thing that authors do where they, they build signifiers into characters' names. And I don't think you go overboard with that, but I'm always looking at Tanner Malone, like Leathermaker and Malone sounds like alone. Oh, wow. I didn't know. That's a good point. Uh, Tanner. No, let me tell you how blind I am to, to some of these things. Uh, Tanner is described consistently as being deeply tanned. Uh, he, that is, (laughs) that is, that is, that is, that is part ethnic heritage. Uh, cause you know, his, his, uh, mother and his, his family is Mexicanics. If I'm saying that correctly, uh, they're, they're from Mexico. Um, and he comes from a planet where there is, you know, his, his planet is closest to the sun in his star system and people tend to have, you know, deep tans. Uh, and it was when I first was getting Lee Moyer to do the cover that I just, you know, we were talking about that and he says, oh, so he's the tannest guy in the room. And I thought, oh my God, he is tanner than everybody else. Literally. <laughs> Oops. Uh, and Malone is just my, my maternal grandmother's name and everybody called her the general and. I thought that was a nice thing to do. No, so, that's fair. Yeah. Okay. Well, we've done the hero. Let's talk about, uh, I guess we'll call him the anti-hero, uh, Captain Casey. Uh, he's interesting because like, he's a pirate and on one level, I really get the feeling that you like him. Like he's weirdly egalitarian. And I found myself like flopping back and forth between really liking him too. And then being horrified by his cruelty. Like, yeah. did you talk about where he comes from? I'm holding back a laugh. I think Casey's a horrible asshole. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Casey. So uh, I didn't, I didn't have Casey so much as I had the premise of, of Casey. Um, but every, I mean, hardly anybody ever wakes up and thinks I'm going to be the villain today. You know, hardly any, yeah. ever, hardly, hardly very few villains think, you know, yeah, I'm just going to be a monster from here on out. It happens. Um, but not often. And so most villains, you know, most bad guys think they've got a justification. Like Casey says himself, uh, people just need to feel justified. Uh, that's, you know, to go back to the X-Men, there's, there's a great t-shirt that, uh, the explain the X-Men podcast put together saying Magneto made some valid points. Uh, and I think that, (laughs) I think that makes for a compelling villain. There's gotta be a reason why people rally around him. Mm-hmm. And the fact is he does live in a horrible dystopian uh, economic system. Um, I wanted my, my pirates to be grounded in history rather than the, uh, the, the Disney pirates as it were, you know, the movie pirates we see where right. there's always some, you know, the captain just has this iron fist and everybody's terrified of him. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me when we consider everybody is a, a cutthroat murderer. Um, they would just get rid of that guy and they would deal with somebody that they prefer. Um, so having an egalitarian approach, being dem- democratic as, as historically pirates in the Caribbean were, mm-hmm. um, like a lot of, a lot of what I do for how the pirates operate in my books, it's just taken from history. Um, Ca- Casey himself in my brain, Casey is a cross between, uh, Al Swearingen from Deadwood and, uh, top dollar from, from the crow. Uh, those are those are my two big inspirations, along with like Henry Morgan and some actual pirates. Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah. Uh, though I do have a confession to make about the crow. Um, okay. 
every time I've tried to watch it, something horrible's happened. And oh I'm not, god, <laughs> I'm not like superstitious particularly, but it's gotten to the point where I won't do it. Like I tried, to, I I put the videotape in back when it was videotapes, and yep. there was a fire in the apartment, and Jesus. somebody broke up with me, and so I just I've never watched the thing. It, you know, it's a great movie, but it's not worth your life. Um, <laughs> okay. I'm gonna say that right now. That that's fair. Well, you know, it's like I, I've I really I I do believe in a Newtonian universe. Like I <laughs> I I I don't think that a videotape is a magic trigger to bad things happening. But like I'm not hitting play anyway. Right. I hear you. Fair enough. Um. Uh, okay. So switching gears. Um. As an author. I know you've had to pitch like we've talked to enough agents and authors and editors on the show that I've got a vague idea of how it works. Mm-hmm. So you've done a, a fair amount of thinking about who you're like in terms of writing, what authors you've learned from, who you resemble in terms of style. So like what what is your pitch for Elliot Kay? Like what is your writing like? I so I don't do the I'm like X meets Y approach. Uh, I, I can certainly I, I I think of those things. I'm also not over the feeling that that is horribly self-aggrandizing. Um, and most writers are, you know, their own worst enemies when it comes to like you. You need to hype your book and you need to tell everybody your book is the greatest thing ever. And obviously, I think mine is, too. I'm here on a podcast. Um, well, but, we, we invited you. So well, thank I mean- you. Um, but at the same time, I, I, I kind of wince when I see that because I just think, well, I'm not like, as much as I'd like to tell you, I I'm like a cross between Guy Gavriel K and G Willow Wilson. I am neither of those people. Uh, and I, I, I deeply envy their, their prose and I don't actually think I write like them at all, but I, I, I like to have that in my head and I try, you know, um, I, uh, I grew up big on comics. Uh, if I have a single uh, inspiration I have to point to, it would be Larry Hama and it would be the old GI Joe comics of the eighties. Uh, those, those, a lot of those, most of that series will still hold up surprisingly well today. When you think of how comic book and comic book writing has evolved since then, uh, that one holds up surprisingly well. And I see a lot of stylistic influence that stuck with me from childhood on, uh, Chris Claremont running the X-Men too. Um, but I don't, you know, I, I, I'm a revert. If I had to pitch myself using uh, current well-known authors, I would say I'm kind of a reverse David Weber um, because I've read several of the, the Honor Harrington books. Sure. Uh, and I like them a lot. They were hugely influential. Uh, but I also go in the opposite direction as mo- on most of those things. They're, those books go in a different direction than, than I want them to. They are... Big picture leading, you know, the 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 uh, hyper competent captain leading from the front. Uh, Honor Harrington is great. I love her, um, but I want the guy who's pushing a mop. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm a little I'm a little over, you know, the the as much as I like Jean Luc Picard and you know Captain Kirk and Cisco, I'm a little over everything being driven by the leader. And I want, most people don't get to be that leader. They're stuck being the follower. They're stuck, you know, lower on the to- on the, the ladder. Um, so that's, that's where I go. And rather than going hyper-technical, I, I would rather just call something uh, a gun or a tank or a phone. Yeah. 
Uh, I feel like that's a little more of a lived-in universe. So those are those are my kind of approaches. Um, but it's still that same, you know, high, high, fast-paced space opera, military science fiction stuff. Yeah, uh, you know, it's very interesting because you. Uh, one of the things this podcast is in place to do is to sort of rehabilitate pulp because mm-hmm. we love it so much. And you can be pulp and be of quality. And it sounds like you're sort of on a similar journey, like the things you're most interested in, uh, like in I would classify as pulp. Do you think that's right? I think so. Um, I don't, you know, there are books that really move us. And then there are books that are just fun. Uh, yeah. and there are, you know, there's also that there, there's that somewhere in between there's well-crafted popcorn, you know? Uh, and I, I really love a good well-crafted popcorn book. I, friends will tell me things like, Oh, I love this book so much. It made me cry so hard. And I think I don't want to cry. I don't, <laughs> that's pain is bad. No. Um, so, and I, I right from that standpoint, like I'm not, I'm not here to punch anybody in the feels. And then sometimes I wind up, I wind up writing scenes that punch me in the feels. Um, And I, I I realize, well, that's a sign of a good, uh, you know, if I can make myself cry, I'm probably doing things right. Um, Yeah. Well, you don't want to be bored by your own work. Certainly. Right. Right. Your, your own writing should move you. Um, And it's funny, you know, when I, when I started this, uh, I was, I've always wanted to be a writer and they always tell you, you know, you, well, kid, you can't make a living as a writer. You're going to have to make sure you have a fallback plan, right? It's like the kid who wants to go into pro sports. Well, I internalized that so hard that I just skipped straight to the fallback plan and I didn't write for years. Um, and when I finally did, it was just for funsies and just to take my shot at it. And it, it took off. Um, but I didn't, I didn't, you know, have this, this save the world thing, uh, you know, with my book. Um, my idea was with poor man's fight, the big drive for me was that I, so I had a really rough time when I was in the coast guard. Uh, I expected things to go differently. Um, all my life as a kid, I had, had seen, you know, the GI Joe comics and, and the A team and Magnum and all that eighties stuff mm-hmm. and nineties stuff that, that shows you that your, your army buddies are going to be your buddies for life. And those are the people you're really tight with. And I had the exact opposite uh, experience. I made one real friend the entire time I was in the Coast Guard. I love the Coast Guard as an organization, but I didn't fit in. My boat was really, uh, a, my, my first ship especially was a, a toxic workplace. Um, and I was not ready for that as a kid. I was a friendly kid. I, you know, was, when I was 19, I, I had never failed to make friends. Um, and that threw me for a loop. And, you know, lo- the longer it went on, I was, maybe this was not the job for me. And I realized I had never read the book with the guy who joins the military and doesn't find himself. And so I knew I had to write that book. Um, That's that book really is, interesting. Yeah, that book is out there, but it just generally doesn't get framed as an action story. So, like, Sure. Well, it makes me think of, uh, what was it? Platoon. Yes. Like that. Well, of course, obviously it didn't go as well for that character as it, as it yeah. did for Tanner. But. Yeah. Chris Taylor, uh, Charlie Sheen's character. And in fact, everybody in platoon for the most part, except for the worst people really don't belong there. And well, that might have some, you might glean something about that whole war from that. <laughs> uh, the things they carried is another, uh, is a book by Tim O'Brien, which is, uh, 
one of the best books I've ever read. Uh, and it is very much about it's, it's set in the Vietnam war and it's very much about how, uh, you know, if you ever, if you ever get anything uplifting or meaningful out of a war story, you have been made the victim of a horrible ancient lie. Um, because that's what war really is. Um, and so I, I had that very much in mind when I wrote Tanner's story, but at the same time, I like, I like space shoot 'em ups. I like, sure. I like, I like nonsense lasers. So, um, okay. Uh, let's, let's picture a continuum for a second. And sure. on one end of that continuum, we have starship troopers and Robert Hanlon. Mm-hmm. And on the other end of that, we've got Joe Haldeman and the forever war. Mm-hmm. Where are you? Do you think? I'm going to confess I haven't read Haldeman, uh, okay. but I, I have read Starship Troopers. Uh, I, I'm definitely somewhere in between. I'm, I'm familiar enough with with Haldeman. Uh, Tanner really doesn't want to be in the military. You know, he he joins because, as you say in the beginning, uh, might have been good to leave with this now that I think about it. Um, <laughs> you know, Tanner lives in he lives in space and he his environment his his world is uh dominated by a hyper capitalist corporate environment. Um schools are run by corporations and at the end of high school you take a test that determines how much money you owe just for high school and uh, K through 12. Um, and he has a horrible day the night, the day before the test and his life falls apart. And so he's a really smart dude who should ace this thing. And he completely bombs it. And his really only way back to his future is through the military and through, you know, the educational incentives that that gives. Um, and I, I try to keep in mind, I keep, I try to keep on the, keep simmering in the background, that whole situation without constantly paying attention to it because, once you're there in the military, you're not constantly thinking about your GI bill every day. Um, and so Tanner is, uh, he knows he has been screwed. He also knows that what he's doing is important. You know, there, there are actual space pirates out there. And later on his, his nation state in space, his star system goes to war with the very corporations who devise this whole horrible system. Um, and so he knows that's super important. And he also knows, oh God, this is destroying me and I want to get out of here. Uh, and there's, there is that constant tension. He's very good at what he does and everybody else will tell him he belongs. And he will say, you don't know what's going on inside of me and in my head. I absolutely don't belong here, but I have to shoot my way out. Yeah. You know, the only way out of this is through it. So um, I, 20 years ago, I had a roommate and that roommate really liked gadgets. Okay. And so he went out and he got the best TV, uh, like a uh, laser disc player he could. He got the biggest TV, the stereo, all that. And what he didn't have was a good job. And so yeah. he, he found himself in a position where he had six credit cards and was using number one to pay number two and round oh. and round. Yeah, that's never good. And so he ended up um, joining the Signal Corps. Okay. And so, like, you know, he, he um, you know, he enlisted, he did all of this stuff. And uh, that was uh, June of 2001. Mm-hmm. And he ended up going from, I'm going to be a code breaker in Germany and everything's fine to being one of the heroes of Fallujah. Wow. And so when I read this, that's what I could think of was my, my friend Matt and how this 
this poor bastard, perfectly smart guy made a couple of bad decisions and it ended up like on this, this surfboard with, with waves of bullshit driving him yep. forward. And I, it's very real. Yeah, I have it. So when you sign those papers, you are saying I will follow whatever lawful orders are given to me. Um, and, and knowing the difference between a lawful order and, not, and, and a legal order when everybody's shouting at you, yes, this is legal, do it is, is a real challenge. But, um, you know, I, I, I joined the coast guard. Uh, I burned boats. Um, I herded cattle. Uh, I, I did all kinds of wacky stuff. I've got a very good friend who has shown up in most of my books, but I'm not going to tell you who he is. Um, (laughs) sure. Who, uh, he enlisted in the air force after I got out of the coast guard. Um, and he just had a desk job. I think he was like, testing whatever Lockheed or Boeing wanted to send, you know, wanted to sell this year. Um, so he just had like a desk land desk job, land job or whatever. Uh, and there's a chain of events and side jobs he had that landed him, uh, going as part of the invasion with the 82nd airborne. He was right there, you know, in the, in the invasion of Iraq, uh, calling in airstrikes, you know, and, and that was not what he signed up for, but Hey, you, you get, you know, it says on the paper, I get a, I get a sergeant, I get, I get an assistant here. And that guy over there seems to have a level head and nobody else here can do the job. So sergeant, you're coming with me. Wow. Yeah. I mean, shit happens. It's, you know, it's, it's a risk you take joining up. Oh God. I, I, yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm shaking myself out of that. I'm, I, sure. I can't imagine what the military would have done to me, but it, I, I can only, I can only think it would have pushed me through a shredder, man. Like I don't like tucking in my shirt. Yeah. I, I had a lot of reasons to want to get out. Um, all those guys on Tanner's boat, uh, Tanner's first ship. Those are basically the guys in my first ship in the coast guard. It got better after that. It got significantly better. I don't use all of that because it doesn't make a good story, but uh, like a lot of the, a lot of the situations that he has with that first crew and a lot of the conversations he has, that was basically the people I dealt with. Tanner is not me. Tanner is, is more hyper-competent, more driven than I am more hyper-competent. I'm not hyper-competent at all. Uh, but at the same time, like a, a lot of that attitude that he sees and a lot of the, the, uh, the challenges that he faces socially, those are totally things that I went through. I wow. Uh, so I I was trying to describe this this at least the first book to my wife, and I was like, it's a coming of age military sci-fi space piracy work social justice argument. And then I started trying to talk about how the good guys and the bad guys both sort of had a point, but the good guys clearly had the balance of it. So like this was really ambitious, dude. And like I I'm just wondering like. It's 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 comparatively earlier in your career. I hope, like yes. I, I I hope you have a long one. Well, thank uh, you. Is is this just who you are as a writer? Like, what did you learn from attempting this and succeeding? Oh yeah, everything grows while I'm writing it. Uh, I totally thought this. I I thought books one through three were one book when I started. I had no idea about word counts and things like that. I learned by doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I had the big beats of each book in my head and I had to write my way there. Um, I'm, I'm more of a, uh, you know, we talk about there, there are plotters and there are pantsers who, you know, people who write by the seat of their pants. Uh, I'm much more of a pantser 
Uh, I've got to get 30,000 words into a book before I really need an outline. Next book, I'm promising myself I'm going to outline this start to finish. Um, but And then you don't really follow your outline because things don't always work out. You have good conversational beats in your head. Writing your way toward that conversational beat isn't always this, the easiest thing because you, when you write a conversation or a fight scene or, or a plot, you know, you think, what's the next logical step this character would take? And it doesn't always lead where you think it's going to go because you have to, you have your starting point, which isn't always what you had everything planned out. Right. Um, I, uh, I knew Tanner would have the, uh, the climactic fight with pirates in the end of book one. Um, I didn't know that he was going to start out as a, a victim of a horrible economic system uh, and I had been chewing on this book for a long time. I was teaching and I saw how standardized testing is, is, you know, the standardized testing regime is, is hurting our schools and our students, you know, and I can see this, the, the student debt issue just getting worse and worse. All of that kind of came together. Many people joined the military, not because they're idealistic. Like, frankly, I was in real life, um, but because they have to. And so I thought that would be a better thing to do than just, you know, oh, this guy's just bright-eyed and, you know, uh, big-hearted and he's he's going to join to save the galaxy. Um, Tanner stuck with it. I thought that was a little more compelling. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it did get closer to where I was once I was in the military because once I was in the military, I was stuck with it. Uh, I always knew I'd be very proud of it coming out of it, but it was miserable when I first started. Uh, and it it slowly got better from there. Well, and that makes sense too, because once you get somebody in the military, like it's 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 a more rigid system. Yes. So there's there's a direction things have to move in. It's, uh, I nice work, man. I don't know how to say it without sounding like a dork, but like I I really well, thank like, you. As someone who wasn't involved with the military at all, I found it very real, more real than most space military sci-fi is, because you you start at that that ground level. Yeah. I, uh, last year I was at a panel in our West Con and I, I talked about that and I talked specifically about, you know, wanting to write the book, the book about the guy who joined the military and didn't find himself. Uh, and I had three people come up to me at that panel who didn't know each other. They were a spread of ages. It was two men and one woman. And they all said, you know, I had a terrible time too. <laughs> and that was one of the biggest, that was, that was one of the most uplifting moments ever. Uh, because I just thought, well, see, I'm not alone. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I honestly, I don't know anybody who got out of the military and was like, that was badass. They exist. Oh, God. They, they, they exist. And a lot of them, you know, they, they did have a good time. I did not. And some of that is luck of the draw. So, um, if, if you could give my, my listening audience a command and make them go read one of your existing works, what would it be and why? I would say Poor Man's Fight is my best foot forward. Uh, it, is a, it is a starting point. Uh, it is not the sci-fi that you are used to. Um, it, is, it is much more emotional, and uh, it, is, it is sci-fi from the bottom. This is not a tough-as-nails captain. This is not a hotshot pilot. This is, this is life from the bottom and everything is up close and personal. Uh, if you would like a shorter and more fun read, I would point you toward wandering monsters because that is 
comedic and fun and found family and also a lot of face stabbing. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I, if you're looking for my, my best book one and my best foot forward, that would be poor man's fight. Well, and I've certainly passed it around. So uh, that's, you. that's seconded. Uh, so uh, when we talked a little bit earlier, we, we, you, uh, you brought up that you have a, an upcoming project. Could you talk about that a little bit? And like, if this wasn't a shitty visit for you, like, could we have you back? To oh, talk man, about I, it? I'm happy to come back anytime. I'm, I, I'm very opinionated. I like to talk. Um, so my, my next book coming out, uh, I don't have a release date for it yet, unfortunately, because we're still working out contracts with audible. Uh, the next book is in the, the good intention series and it is called past due. Um, and it is the return of uh, a major character from book four, from book three, uh, who, uh, and in, in book three, my main protagonist, Alex is, uh, he is a very every man like Tanner, uh, except whereas Tanner's life goes, uh, wild and crazy and adventurous and he hates it. Uh, Alex has got it pretty good. Um, but Alex finds himself in a foreign land and he's got everybody from mercenaries to the literal angel of death chasing him. And there is a djinn in, uh, in Beirut who helps him get home. And she says, I'm not doing this for free. Past due is about her coming to collect. And it is very much going back to the past of Alex as a character, uh, supporting characters in the book. And it reaches all the way back to the, the sea peoples of the ancient Mediterranean. Um, it is, uh, it is, it is a, fun ride with those books. Um, they are a feel good story in a way that, uh, the poor man's fight is, is not designed to be. Well, that, that sounds great. So, uh, I realized that, uh, when you're dealing with contract issues, you, you're not the one holding the joystick necessarily. Yeah. Uh, do you have a, do you have a vague idea of when that should be? It'll, oh, it'll be out this spring one way or another. Uh, it's okay. <laughs> some, so the life of an indie writer means at some point your bank account compels you to do things. Uh, I'm just trying to work out a, a, a joint release with audible They're They are interested in the book regardless. The, the audio books of those have done very well. As I say, they're, they're, uh, they're pretty smutty and my reader has a super sexy voice and she's wonderful. Uh, so they, they have done well in audio. Um, if the audio timeline doesn't line up, the book will eventually be out. So I will look for it sometime April or May. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, I, I hope to have you back in April and May. I, I, I better, I better get reading on your next series. <laughs> More than happy to be here. Thank you so much for coming on, Elliot. This has been great. Thank you.